and welcome to edition 69 of our podcast, You Should Have Been There, with me, Mick Webb. And me, Simon Calder, coming to you from the Restaurant Era, which is on the Portuguese Algarve coast. I've been a bit of a travel guinea pig. I flew out here at seven o'clock this morning from Stansted, and I am now looking across, um, having had the most delicious lunch at a razor-sharp horizon, blue seas, fair skies, gentle breeze, and almost nobody here, and certainly an entirely unoccupied, um, beautiful sandy beach. Well, I'm surprised that it's unoccupied because I thought um, thousands of people had had rushed to uh, Portugal as it's uh, one of the very few destinations with the green traffic light that uh, is, well, I was going to say worth going to. That's being a bit unfair, but possibly the most attractive. (laughs) And I should say uh, here in um, South London, there is a uh, most exciting thunderstorm. So we might well get interrupted by that. Uh, Yes, Uh, no danger of any thunderstorms here. And just on the numbers front, yes, uh, I counted the passengers on my flight out this morning. Now, bear in mind uh, that the ticket was, um, well, when I bought it, £25. And that was badly timed because it later came down to £22. (laughs) And if I waited till the mid-morning departure, it would have been £10. Um, But even so, difficult to attract people on board. Uh, There were 150 people booked on the flight. Only 126 turned up, I imagine, because the rest have been deterred by the need to get a PCR test in advance for the Portuguese authorities, which, um, well, this was how I spent my Saturday morning. Of course, one aspect of travel these days is testing. Testing, testing and testing. Ali, please do carry on. Okay, Mama, please. Can you say ah? Ah! 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 Well, your test obviously um, uh, got back to you in time, and I presume it was uh, negative because uh, otherwise you wouldn't um, be in Faro at the moment, would you? I wouldn't, and very sadly, there were people turned away if you. Uh, on the long, long walk to Gate 49, there were little huddles of Ryanair ground staff and passengers looking fairly morose because they turned up and found that they hadn't matched the uh, requirements that they um, uh, needed in order to get to their destination because there were some places they were going to as well as uh, to Portugal. And that was it. They simply were not getting on board. It's a... Uh, tough, tough time to be a traveller. And before I go back, I I now have to um, go online, uh, book a test, a PCR test when I get back and pay for it and get the reference number so I can prove that I paid for it and put that into my passenger locator form. And then I've got to organise a separate pre-departure test. Um, And this is all while I'm trying to have a lovely time and just uh, relax and chill out and all those other things that Portugal is so good at. Oh, well, that'll teach you. How Well, how much more than your um, original £25 is this uh, lot going to cost you then? Well, OK, so flight going out £25, flight coming back um, £9, uh, test going out £100. I hope to... I hope the testing coming back, I think I can do it a bit more cheaply because there is not the same rush 
so I'm looking at £65 for that. So even when you bundle in um, the cost of a rental car or a hotel, of the phenomenally good lunch I've just enjoyed, um, the cost of what testing was it? is... To, what, oh, what I, was I, it? I had Spanish bream. It had been... Um, split in two and grilled and uh, it was with the most enormous salad and bread and everything fresh and lovely and loads of olive oil and garlic and oh my goodness it just reminds you that as soon as staying in the UK is absolutely fine but there is an awful lot to be said for foreign cultures and cuisines. Uh, What are the uh, restrictions like? Uh, actually in Portugal because it's still under restriction as far as I can uh, work out. Um, yeah, the, 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 the state of calamity has been extended, which um, may, might make you think, oh, no, uh, we're go- getting off the um, uh, plane into a state of calamity. But uh, it's very difficult to see much calamity. Of course, uh, I, I'm actually inside for technical reasons, but this time of year, temperature's about uh, 27, 28 outside. Um, wow. Life is lived outside. And therefore, um, there's, there's very little mask wearing that's reserved for indoors. Um, everybody seems really relaxed um, and very pleased to see the the tourist, which um, is uh, great news for us. <laughs> well, let's talk about Portugal as a as a place to go then, uh, as it does seem as though it's going to be the place and possibly the only place to go for quite some uh, time. I mean, it is actually a wonderful uh, destination country isn't it it is i first got here in 1976 which i believe was just after you and i found it uh uh, charming beautiful uh sophisticated um uh, just absolutely engaging and very very cultured very warm in every sense and since then i've just explored as far and wide as I can. There are nine Azores islands and I've been to seven of them, which I claim among you should have been there listeners is probably a record. Um, I've been to both Madeira and its twin island, uh, Porto Santo. um, And I've explored from the very far north, close to the border with Spain, all the way down to uh, uh, the south, including the much missed inland areas, the Alentejo which is so lovely. Yeah, I wanted to ask you about that because uh, I've had a few um, uh, Portuguese visits. I've been to Lisbon, to uh, Setubal, um, and uh, I have uh, been on a couple of breaks to Porto, which I think might be the ideal short break um, uh, city uh, for various reasons, which we could possibly talk about later. But I think there's quite a lot to do, isn't there? I mean, it's not just a case of going down to the Algarve and uh, sunning yourself and eating Spanish bream. Um, <laughs> you could also be doing, well, you could be surfing uh, somewhere uh, up on the uh, Atlantic coast, or you could be walking, couldn't you? Uh, there, there is the Via Algarviana, 14 stages, um, 300 kilometres, so that's about 180 miles or so, um, which goes much more inland than along the Algarve coast because the Algarve is by far the most popular destination with tourists. But this takes you through the hinterland and it is... Uh, I, I've done a limited amount of walking uh, this far south in, in Portugal, but... Uh, 
everywhere is just joyful and a whole string very very much like actually uh, the, the kind of lower parts of the Pyrenees, just a string of um, uh, beautiful, friendly, interesting villages. So it, it, it is a, a, a wonder. And therefore, if the only country we could ever go to again was Portugal, I think we would probably still be happy. <laughs> well, it does contrast with Spain, doesn't it? Although, I mean, there is quite a, a lot of difference between the two, although weirdly, of course, they uh, when you look at them on the map, uh, they just share the same um, chunk of um, Iberia. Um, but I, I, I found that um, uh, everything about Portugal was um, a bit different, um, sort of yeah. maybe more understated, lower key, Less noisy, maybe um, slightly less extreme temperatures, uh, and um, yeah, just yeah. Ju- some sort of difference, anyway. Yes, wilder and more wistful, I would say, simultaneously. Oh. Um, it's uh, it, it is strange and, and so distinctive because you know you look at the map and you think, oh well, you know the the, uh, the Algarve runs out and then you're into the um, uh, Costa de la Luz, and there's probably not much to tell between them, but there is a huge amount to uh, 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 of difference linguistically. I mean, I've heard very unkindly Portuguese described as um, Spanish spoken by a drunk Russian, and it is a difficult language to get, particularly <laughs> with the uh, pronunciation, but uh, very very distinctive. I suppose you would get you would find that Galician has has something in in common with it. I'm not going to delve too deep into the uh, mysteries of language because I know that's your department. And the diaspora as well is so interesting because it's it's Mozambique, it's Angola, it's Brazil, of course, the dominant country in South America. Uh, very different from the. Uh, Spanish diaspora and again you know that you're in Brazil you know that when you're in Uruguay or or Paraguay or um, Bolivia <laughs> yeah the, the the architecture is slightly different isn't it the, I like the houses the sort of uh, general kind of workers cottages which are generally if I remember rightly um, whitewashed but with very sort of pleasant um, uh, pastel shades uh, painted onto the bottom, often blue, a very nice um, gentle blue, which uh, reflects the sky. And I was told by somebody uh, was um, is there because it, uh, it used to be thought that blue was the colour of good luck. So uh, that's why you painted your house uh, window frames and the sort of bottoms of the walls in it. I certainly feel happy looking across at actually at a very blue house with dark blue uh, frames around the shutters and uh, a sky blue exterior. And I guess we could. It does actually look as though we are talking about a blue wall, but in a very different sense to the uh, uh, Tory seats in the north of England. (laughs) Oh, dear. Yes. Well, we we can't actually uh, let politics raise its ugly head yet. Although we could actually um, talk a bit about the Portuguese Revolution, which I think in a way uh, rather encapsulates Portugal for me. This was the first time I ever went to Portugal, and it was in 1974, uh, Mm -hmm. a couple of months, maybe six weeks after its very, very famous 
uh, Carnation uh, Revolution, when the uh, very hardline authoritarian government, which rather um, reflected Franco's uh, in uh, neighbouring Spain, was overthrown by uh, a combination of junior ranking officers uh, and the soldiers who they commanded uh, and the general populace. And it, I would say it's a very good idea to have at least some of the army on your side if you're going to mount a good revolution. And um, it was called the uh, Carnation Revolution. I don't know if you know why, because um, the carnations, which are, of course, a flower much to be found in, um, in, in Portugal, uh, were actually... Um, rammed into the muzzles of rifles to um, show that this was going to be a bloodless revolution. And it almost was. I do think uh, four poor people uh, lost their lives. But uh, on the whole, you know, in terms of a complete revolutionary change, it was um, uh, it was a very, um, a very genteel affair. Yes. And and one of the first branded revolutions, I suppose you have to count the October Revolution in, in uh, uh, the former Soviet Union, but uh, obviously it preceded the Velvet Revolution in the Czech Republic, uh, or indeed Czechoslovakia, as I believe it was at the time. And, and since then, Portugal has been democratic. It has been mostly peaceful. Yes, I mean, one of the most surreal parts of this coup was that the secret signal for the soldiers to leave their barracks and take to the streets uh, was a song that was played on an independent radio station on the 24th of April um, in announcing to the rebels that it was time for the coup. And it wasn't any old song. It was Paulo de Carvalho's song, E depois do adeus, which, um, so apologies for my Portuguese, <laughs> which means um, uh, after goodbye, which is, of course, um, a, a reference to what happens after a romantic breakup. Uh, but you won't uh, be surprised to know with a title yes. like that, that um, earlier in the month, this song had been the Portuguese entry in the Eurovision Song Contest, uh, which was held in Brighton and won by ABBA with Water Waterloo, <laughs> which, of course, is rather good. I mean, in terms of uh, sort of um, military history, given that Depoich du Adeus then had its role in the Carnation Revolution, um, although it did finish a very disappointing last with a sad trois points in the actual Eurovision Song Contest. <laughs> Uh, and they were probably given by um, uh, the United Kingdom jury in a way, in a uh, failed bid to distract from the very good Swedes. Of, um, who knows? <laughs> well, also, don't forget, um, Portugal is uh, famously the UK's oldest ally. Uh, so maybe we gave it some points for that as well. Um, the uh, 1373 Anglo-Portuguese alliance still actually... Um, uh, maintains, um, so I'm told. But uh, there was another song, actually, which was uh, to launch the second stage of the revolution, which is infinitely better, uh, which is a kind of um, modern folk song by uh, Zeca Afonso, which I would <laughs> recommend listening to if if uh, if, if you can uh, uh, find it on YouTube. And it's, uh, it, it's uh, called... Uh, Grandola Villa Morena, um, which goes something like this. Grandola Villa Morena, terra da fraternidade. 
uh, anyway, I can't uh, remember any more of it, but it, it, it's a it's a very nice song unless it's sung by yeah. me. No, I, I, I look, I give I give you Dispois. Oh, formidable, merci, monsieur. Fast forward a few decades, and we are still the greatest ally of the Algarve. Of course, last year, for almost all the time, the UK simply put Portugal on the no-go list, apart from a couple of weeks when I managed to sneak out before it was put back on the must-quarantine for two weeks uh, register. And I spoke earlier to the president of the Algarve Tourist Board, who I'm going to allow to introduce himself, since I can't, like you, take a run at these Portuguese pronunciations. Uh, João Fernandes, uh, president of the Tourism Board of Algarve. How are you feeling today? I'm feeling good because this is a restart of our economy, which is based on tourism. And our main market in terms of tourism, uh, external tourism, is the UK. So this is a very, uh, very good day for us. We are receiving British holidaymakers with our arms open and we are giving them two messages. One, uh, enjoy your stay. So we have what to do in the region. Excuse me, this was not prepared. <laughs> So we have a guide to inform you the beautiful places you need to visit, but also to keep safe. So we have masks, alcohol gel, and also a small flower to welcome you. Wow, that's beautiful. Thank you very much indeed. Um, you've got, I believe, 16 flights coming in from the UK today. Is that correct? Yes, it is. And how many would you like to have? Uh, uh, 5.5 uh, thousand uh, British holidaymakers arriving here just today but we are expecting much more during the half term. I'm going to give you the chance to just tell us why we should be here on the Algarve rather than anywhere else. Well you can see that uh, people are arriving with their clothes from winter time and they uh, start to, to leave them uh, back. So that's one of the reasons we have over 30 degrees now. Uh, we have the sun shining. We have been nominated last year as the best beach destination in the world. We also are uh, recognized as the best golf destination in the world. So uh, you have much to do here and uh, uh, the pleasure is to receive you also. So Portuguese are kind people, you are safe here. Many good reasons to visit the Algarve then. Is it a good time for us to talk about our personal highlights of Portugal? And if so, may I begin? Yeah, of course. Yes, yeah. Feel free. Well, I'm going to take you 850 miles west of here um, to the Azores. But my favourite island is Santa Maria. Now, this is partly because it is basically Isle of Wight sized, but rather more dramatic um, population of fewer than 6,000 people. But it also has the longest runway in the Atlantic Ocean on an island, um, a, a now abandoned uh, North American base, because this was where Concord refueled on its way to Caracas. And you can still go to the Concord Bar. But these days, Concord doesn't go there anymore. 
Um, it's a 20-minute hop from Ponta Delgada, which is the capital of the Azores. And it is, I think, the place I've had my most successful hitchhiking ever. I believe I got three lifts in a row from the first car. I mean, there aren't many cars, um, so therefore, you know, if the first car doesn't stop for you, the second or the third almost certainly will. But, uh, yeah, uh, three rides in a row. Lovely people, a combination of people who've been there forever and um, people who've arrived from the mainland because they just love the peace and charm. So oh, what's peace yours? and charm. That's very good. Yeah. Um, well, uh, I think um, I really like Coimbra, uh, which uh, is uh, a mm. very famous old university town and which actually has one of the world's oldest universities. And uh, I really remember it from that revolutionary year. Sorry to go back to uh, 1974, but all of the uh, coffee bars, of which there were loads, um, uh, were <laughs> knee deep in newspapers, and it seemed to be part of the uh, part part of the revolutionary process. Was that pretty well everybody then um, produced their own newspaper? There were newspapers everywhere. I don't know whether anyone was actually reading them, but uh, it, it, it was very very striking. And the other thing was because uh, I was actually hitchhiking as well with my uh, then new girlfriend, who uh, is now still my partner, Stephanie, uh, and. Um, Oh. Yeah, lucky Steph, lovely as Steph, as, as as you call her, um, and uh, uh, lovely and lovely lucky. and lo- lucky, lucky well. yes, yeah, yeah. Well, I couldn't argue with that. Um, uh, and amongst our rivals, uh, hitchhiking out of Coimbra to try and get to the north, were um, lots of um, traditional old ladies in black. Uh, you know, the, the old, um, the sort of, you know, the the typical kind of, um, I suppose. Uh, widowed elderly women of of mainly Mediterranean countries, uh, but uh, they'd all discovered the joys of hitchhiking as well. So it was all very good fun, but very difficult to get a lift anywhere. And uh, that was fun. But my favourite place, uh, probably uh, as a <laughs> hidden gem, is somewhere called Guimaraes, which um, is actually quite hard to say. Uh, and it was the European City of Culture in 2012. And I, I, um, I went to visit it. Uh, and I must say, it is absolutely wonderful it's got a, a medieval town center with uh, two or three squares which are kind of interlinked uh, uh, and with the usual things bars and uh, cafes and uh, really nice shops and at the top of the town is a ruined castle which is where the very first king of portugal was apparently Born, although uh, Coimbra disputes this, so you can go around this uh, the, 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 the sort of uh, ramparts of this old castle with great views over some of the wine growing areas, and you can see on the walls which surround uh, Guimarães uh, when when you sort of go in through the first city gate in the south, written proudly in large letters, "Aqui um, nasceu Portugal." Uh, which I think probably means here Portugal was born. How lovely. And may I just place your two favourites on the map for listeners? Uh, Guimarães, if I've pronounced that correctly, is pretty much um, uh, northwest of Porto. Forgive me, northeast of Porto, about uh, just 30 miles or so from the city. And actually very close, uh, ludicrously close to the um, equally, I would say, 
fine city of Braga, and they are both on the way to the Parque Nacional Pineda Gerais, which is kind of straddles the border with Spain. A joy to be there. And Quimbra is pretty much the halfway stop on the train between Porto and Lisbon. And famously, and I remember this from the old timetables in the 20th century, Quimbra B is the station the expresses stop at because it's a little bit outside town where, of course, you will find Quimbra Only you would know that, Simon. It's it's very good to hear. And I I should just quickly say that uh, um, Porto um, is, I think, probably the best. I mean, it's quite well known now, obviously, but possibly the best place for a a short break, uh, you know, four or five days uh, in a utterly beautiful little city with just about everything you could possibly want from a short break break destination you can get a metro straight from the airport um uh, the old town which is on a hill is utterly fantastic um uh, there are on the other side of the river which by the way is connected to the main part of town by no less than six bridges all of which are different and very interesting in their own right and on the other side is where all the port wineries are which you can visit and eat in and uh, the railway station is absolutely beautifully decorated with murals in ceramic tiles with uh, sort of depicting historic themes and i'm just going to throw in the chance to go along to the beach there is actually a superb city beach which you can get i think uh, one of those lovely antique trams the sort of the, uh, of the sort that uh, uh, Portugal absolutely specializes in yes it's absolutely a premier league city break destination can i bring at this point a special guest um who's joined me in the restaurant era uh this is paul goldstein who i'm going to describe and i'll see if he hits me as a um, veteran tour guide and photographer who's also come out to portugal on the very first day that anybody can go here um so welcome to you should have been here paul um how are you finding it? And what's your favourite uh, Portuguese highlight? Yes, it's good, isn't it, Simon? You know, we've missed this. Everybody's missed this. We shouldn't be denied it. Completely with you, Mick. Hello, Paul, Porto. by the way. <laughs> um, another thing. Yeah. Hey, hey Mick. <laughs> um, another thing about Porto, and I'll, I'll whisper this carefully because I'm sat in a restaurant, but I don't think Portugal generally has the greatest food um, in Europe. Porto is the exception. Uh, it's outstanding when you have, I suppose, access to that much cold seawater yeah. seafood, as it were, cold water seafood. It's astonishing. It makes such a difference when you have, if you're to eat anything from the ocean, that side, as opposed to the Mediterranean side, it's a huge difference. It tastes much, much better, much fresher. There's just um, something about it. It is. And city break. Yes, I would agree. Um, I think for people who want to rush it, it's a mistake. You know, always with it somewhere like Porto don't make it one of those two night three day rushes yeah. always add on a day or two because it, it, you can occupy the time there um, easily yes you can and the the other thing I think um, you know people get spoiled in the Mediterranean because even at this time of year you can walk in you can swim all day it's mild I love the ocean in Portugal it's dramatic uh, and whether it's surf dude country or intricate sort of Gaudi-esque sculpted um, cliffs uh, and little bays it's wonderful I think you can generally divide people with beaches. They're either beach people or cove people. 
uh, and Cove people are, I always think, a little bit more cultured. Fine if you want the, to sit on the outside with the gnarly waves, but nah, Coves, they re- really do it for me. And of course, the key with those, as I found, I, I was here about five years ago, I bought my family, uh, was to, you have to get up early because, of course, the Portuguese people, um, they, they love their beaches. Um, but generally don't come down till about 11 or midday. So if you can drag yourself up in the morning and have the, you know, ha- have the whole strip to yourself and it's wonderful to just explore. It, it is, it's, it's special and it needs tourists. Uh, they're yearning for them as tourists in the UK yearning to come here. And uh, I, I know that for a fact because the very good host here who's been um, rather indulging us as yes, we've he been has. recording this program. We haven't deserved just, it. just brought me a complimentary port, which I am now... Uh, hugely enjoying. Yeah, um, but I think it's time to uh, wrap up this week's uh, podcast. As the uh, coffee cups and port glasses are being washed in the background, I can hear down there in uh, down there in Faru, and um, the uh, storm clouds have cleared away uh, over Streatham, which is nice. Um, and next week's podcast is actually going to be about rainforests, um, which. I think is something very uh, attractive and which certainly Simon and I have both uh, tried to um, uh, machete our way through. Uh, and uh, Paul, I bet you've, um, you've encountered one or two as well. Oh yeah. Goodness me. Um, in, um, yeah, in Borneo and, and indeed Brazil, you know, the wetlands there, extraordinary. I think I would say probably 40% of every good rainforest story involves leeches as indeed it should. <laughs> And paralyzing centipedes. <laughs> They're not a whole bag of fun, are they? Uh, yeah, rainforests are a, a dangerous place, but exciting places as well. Uh, they really are. That's where. That's why people go. Yeah, that's why people go. Paul Goldstein, thank you very much indeed for joining us. I've got a lovely evening here ahead in the Algarve. I'm looking forward to exploring the rainforest next week. But for me, Simon Calder and me, Mick Webb. Goodbye. 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 Goodbye.